Genesis chapter 17. I'm going to start from verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but Abraham. But for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto them, unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee, unto thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, or the land of Canaan. For an everlasting possession, and I'll be their God. And God said to Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. Hallelujah. Now, this was the covenant that Abraham, that God made with Abraham, out of which Jesus came, because he said, Out of thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Hallelujah. Now, God made this covenant with Abraham, and that covenant has, out of it, Jesus came. Because Israel, after the flesh, was not necessarily where God was going. Hallelujah. God had to provide a seed, produce a seed, and out of that seed, he produced the ultimate seed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah which is Jesus Christ. But he said here, I am, I am almighty God. That is El Shaddai. That's what he said, he said here concerning himself. He said that means that nothing is impossible with him. Amen? Now, because at this time, Abraham was 90 years old and nine, 99 years old. Now, let's go to the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapter... Verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. I wanted to come to this point because why would he say to a man, I'm El Shaddai? He said that because what was about to happen was humanly impossible. Hallelujah. It was humanly impossible. And so he had become dead. He, became, he had become impotent, if you like. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Sarah was not in any way, shape, or form able to have children at the at time he was speaking to both of them. But the Bible says something in verse 20, which is vital this year as we're moving along, and along with our Christian lives. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. 
and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Amen? Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Glory be to God. So Jesus was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification, that we may be justified, that we may be uh, declared righteous, that we may come into right standing with God. Hallelujah. Uh, Jesus, because we could not meet the conditions for righteousness by ourselves, God had to send Jesus. Amen. Isaiah 53 from verse 1. It says, who had believed our report, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He had no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid us in where our faces from him. He was despised, we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now coming to what made that necessary. Verse 6. All we like sheep had gone astray. We had turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. So nobody was seeking after God, really. Amen? Because we couldn't find him anyway, because man was technically spiritually dead. But as soon as Adam fell, God immediately set out a plan to redeem man back to himself. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read from verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, or the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment, with justice, from henceforth forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Amen. Now, verse 15 of Genesis chapter 3. And I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This seed of the woman that he was talking about was Jesus. Jesus came through the lineage, if you read Matthew chapter 1, and you read the genealogy of Christ, of Jesus Christ, you will find how he came. Now, it has taken thousands of years of believing that the Messiah was going to come who will redeem man before he finally came. God bringing Jesus, God said, look, this thing that I'm trying to do and get man out of where they are, the natural man cannot accomplish it because he's under the control of the evil one. He can't be righteous by himself. 
So he needed to come in himself. So he spoke a word to Mary. Mary accepted it. And Jesus was born. Up to, from Genesis chapter 1 to Luke chapter 2, Jesus existed, but only in the Father. There was no Jesus Christ under the Old Testament. There was no person called Jesus Christ physically in this world. There was nobody like that. In heaven, there was nobody like that either. But there were words being spoken. The collection of those words, God embodied it in a man. And that man is the Lord Jesus Christ. All the outbreathings of God, the words that God was speaking was a person. That word became flesh and came into this world. That is who Jesus is. And he's like you talking to the scriptures. That was why when the elders were talking to him in, in the synagogue, he was asking them questions. And they were asking. They were, they were answering. And then he asked them some questions. They didn't know what to say. Why? Because he's the word of God. Jesus is God. Fully God, like God the Father is God, Jesus is God. He's El Shaddai. There is nothing impossible with him because actually he's not separated from the Father. He's one and the same. The Bible says that there are, there are three that bear record in heaven. God the Father, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God. These three agree in one. They say the same thing. They don't argue with one another. Now, let me say this. It's the body of Christ knows these things, but sometimes except the special word seems to come, we don't seem to pay attention. But these things have been in the word for ages. They have been there for ages. God is a good God. I want you to have that in mind this year and beyond. One is that God is a good God. For you to see the arm of God, you have to believe him. To believe him, there are things you have to settle in you. That one thing, the first thing there is that God is a good God. By nature, he is good. And seeks to do good. You can't believe that God has your best interest at heart, except you know that innately God is a good God. By nature, he is good. Psalm 119, verse 68. It says, thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. God is good and he does good things. If it is evil, it is the adversary. Now there's a difference when judgment comes and God wants to execute judgment. What he does is to allow the adversary to do what he originally wanted to do. Judgment opens the door to the adversary to come in. 
But before God gets to the place of judgment, even you will be satisfied that it was the right thing to do. God is a good God and he wants to do us good and is reluctant to bring judgment. Hallelujah. God is not a God that is, you know, just ready to hit somebody on the head with something. No. God's not going around looking for saying, I'm going to get them to death. That's not his plan. That's not what he's doing. I know sometimes when we preach, we, it sounds as if we're saying, God is going out there, he's going to get you. You, you, just, you just look at it, he's going to get you. That, that's not what we're talking about, really. And we're not talking about now. So a lot of those things we're talking about, we're saying, if you don't change direction, that is what is going to be. God is a good God. Every believer has to know that in his heart. God is a good God. Know it in your heart. Have it in your head. What do I mean? Sometimes people come into a place, I know that the church has measured so much on revelation in the heart. When it enters a man's heart, it has entered his life. That is true. When you see that you're doing something, you've learned to do something, you've learned to do it by heart, and you're doing it, and you're doing it, and you're doing it. If it comes to a place where you don't seem to be producing the results it used to, you need to go back to the basics. At this time, you're operating from here. You're not using your, how do I put it? The word of God first gets into our minds, then into our hearts. Do you get what I'm saying? If you don't agree with it, your mind is fighting with it and you're struggling with it, it won't enter your heart. When the word of God gets into our spirits, praise the Lord, if it happens that for some reason there was a challenge. You know, when you read the parable of the sower, you will see how that the word got into some people's hearts and thorns came and grew with it and choked it. And some, their hearts were hard. So it, could, it didn't have any depth of it. But what does God say to us? You, he says, uh, till your ground. What are you tilling? Your heart. You're breaking up the fallow ground. So that where you get in the word is coming from your mind. We learn the principles of God. We're learning them. First in the mind, he enters our spirits, then he starts walking. If for any reason, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I'll be their God, and they shall be. My people. Can we have the new King James there? He said, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. When the word of God seems not to work, go and carry the raw written word and plant it again. That's what I'm saying. So, 
unemotionally we understand or we have, we have the knowledge of the word of God. With our hearts we understand. Praise the Lord Jesus. In our minds we have an, un, we, we get the information. It comes to us. We stand upon the word, but why doesn't it work? Until it enters the heart, it will not work. But in our minds is where the potential seed that we have sown, God put it in our minds. He put it there, according to this word. How does he put it? By us reading, he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If I'm going through a challenge, if I forget the Holy Ghost to say from my heart, because he has put it, when he has written it already, he will say, but God is a good God. Then your mind starts fighting with it if your mind is not renewed. But when your mind is renewed and the word is written in your mind, it will come up. It may not seem to, you know, impact your situation as much as it should, but what happens? To be spiritually minded is life. So, I say to myself, heart, don't be troubled. God is a good God. You say, but, but do I see that he's a good God? Yeah, he's a good God. He's a good God. Why is, the, why is the goodness of God necessary? So that if I see evil, I don't say it came from the Lord. It came from the adversary. God is a good God. God is good to me. God wants to be good to me. If I have missed it, God wants me to repent and his goodness, out of his goodness, he wants me to repent because he's not interested in judging me. The reason why we're preaching the gospel is for the world to know that God does not want to judge mankind. He will be compelled to if people don't change direction. But for now, he says... I want you to know that I care about you. I love you enough, but there is still the justice system of the universe. It was the justice system of the universe that compelled Christ to come into this world and to die for us. God's love alone was not enough, alone was not enough to save us. It's like this. If your child did something and or maybe omitted to do something according to the law and he, was, he or she was arrested, even though you are maybe a judge, you can't just go there and say, release my son because it's my son, I'm a judge. No. You go through the legal process, the justice system to get him out, out of your love. Am I correct? Now, God knew that man fell legally. And so what came upon man was legitimate. For him to redeem man, God had to go through the legal process to get man back. That's how Jesus came. That was the purpose of Jesus. And because he, when he found himself to be a man, the Bible says he humbled himself and died on the cross. God had to die for man. But Jesus, just like when, Jesus, when those uh, 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 soldiers came to arrest him, he's God. He could have finished all of them. 
He could have just said, die off, and they would have just died. But he didn't do it. He allowed them to arrest him. When they were spitting on him, he did not act from inside. He was there as a man. He took it. He took all the insults. They nailed him to the cross. He was there. He died on the cross. You can't be more humble than that. The Bible says, and God exalted him and gave him a name above every other name. Hallelujah. But he did all of that for us. The man Jesus did all of that for us. But he's still the mighty God. So when he was living, he said, Father, you, you know, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world. Praise the Lord. So he, he's, he's taking back the, his divinity up there, the authority that he has, which the Father gave to him. So our God is a good God. And he does good things. And if a gift is perfect, it came from God. Bible says that every good and perfect gift cometh from who? Above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow of turning, neither variableness. God gives good gifts. 